seated this morning. <clears throat> Man, it's great to have you with us this morning here at Grace Church. And uh, hopefully it was kind of obvious, we, we like to worship Jesus. We like to uh, preach Jesus. We like to sing about Jesus. And uh, it's all about Him and, and His glory and His fame. Today we're actually starting a seven-week series in 1 Corinthians. We're continuing our study through 1 Corinthians, but we're doing different sections. And this section is seven weeks long, and it's entitled Worship. We're going to look in-depth to what it means to really worship God. What does it mean to worship Jesus? And so in these, in these seven weeks, we're going to cover some of the most debated sections in all of Scripture, some of the most controversial subjects in all of Scripture. These chapter, chapters will cover uh, things like prophecy, we're going to be talking about tongues, you know, some people speaking in, in what they refer to maybe as a different prayer language. We're going to be talking about healings. There's a lot of good stuff coming up. And it's in the Scripture, so what we do, if it's in the Scripture, we deal with it. All right? We don't skirt around it. We don't shy around it. We deal with it. And so there's a lot of good things coming up uh, in this seven-week series called Worship. But today, Paul, what he's going to do is he's going to lay the foundational principles of unity, diversity, mutual reliance, and our concern for one another. He lays the foundation. Before he gets into these hot topics, he lays some groundwork. And he says, we have to have this foundation. We have to have it solid. We have to have it in place. Or these hot topics are going to destroy us. If we have this foundation, though, hey, what we're going to talk about in the coming weeks is going to be a piece of cake. Okay? But we have to have this foundation. He talks about how we do life together as a church, which is a huge part of worship. Okay, uh, Let me remind you that the church is not just a building. The church is not a place. And the church isn't just an event. The church is literally people living their lives together with Jesus at the center. That's what the church is. The church is Jesus bringing various types of people together, changing their lives, and working through them so more and more people can become disciples of Jesus Christ. So when I speak of the church today, I'm talking about a community of people doing life together around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So the principles that, that we're going to talk about today, they're foundational to our church. And I'm going to end the sermon today by giving very specific and very practical, and I call them bodybuilding challenges. Okay? You're going to leave here challenged today. I'm going to challenge you at the end of the message. So we're going to begin in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the first principle that we're going to talk about today is unity. Okay? God intends for his people and his churches to be unified. That's his intention. And a lot of you, maybe you have come from churches or you've come from backgrounds or you, you've had experiences in churches that were very unhealthy. Maybe you've experienced a church split. Um, maybe you've experienced you know, different groups in the church fighting with other groups in the church. And usually it was over the stupidest things, right? Some of us have those stories. We have those experiences. Maybe you're back for the first time today and you're saying, man, I... I, I, to be honest with you, I don't like church. You know, I can, I've, I've experienced some horrible things in church. I wanted to start out by saying, on behalf 
of Christ and His church, I'm sorry. That's not His intention. His intention for His church, His body is beautiful. His intention is good and righteous and holy. His intention is the best for you. And sometimes we, as humans, mess it up. And I'm sorry for that. But I want you to know it's my heart's desire and it's the heart of this church to do it right. To honor Christ by the way that we do church. By the grace of God, Grace Church has been a very unified church. If you kind of look throughout the history of this church, it's been a very unified church. And we are far from perfect, okay? But there is great unity within the leadership of Grace Church. The elders get along, okay? And we're unified. We have healthy confrontation. We have very healthy debates. But we are unified. We're together. We're going the same direction. You know, believe it or not, the pastors, we get along. We actually enjoy being together. We are unified. There is incredible unity within the leadership of this church. It's actually a joy to work here. I love working here. I love being your pastor. It's so important that we all pursue unity within the church. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for me, and His prayer was that we would be unified. That we would be one, He says, like my Father and I are one. So it's, it's very <clears throat> important to Jesus that there is unity within His church, so it should be very important to us. So Paul begins in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 by saying this. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body... Though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So Paul, he uses the analogy of a body. And so Paul, he's trying to get you, he was trying to get the church in Corinth to think about your own body. Now, seriously, think about it just for a minute. Think about how amazing our bodies are. How amazing is the human life. The book of Psalms says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, it's amazing when you begin to think about the detail and the systems in our body that work together for one purpose and one cause, life. Now, I'm no doctor, but I have Google, all right? So I Googled... Amazing facts about the human body. And I want to just share a couple with you. It's kind of fun. Did you know that the acid in your stomach is strong enough to melt zinc? Okay? I don't know how hard zinc is, but I think it's pretty hard. That's pretty powerful acid. Okay, what happens is the lining in our stomach renews itself so quickly that the acid doesn't have time to eat through it. Okay? Did you know your, your stomach is realigning itself right now? Otherwise, acid would just come pouring out. of. Well, that's weird. That's a bad picture. All right. How about consider our lungs just for a minute. Everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> your lungs. Okay? Our lungs consist of over 300,000 capillaries, which are tiny blood vessels. And if you laid out the blood vessels, okay, end to end, 
they would span over 1,500 miles. That is crazy. One more. The human bone, okay, especially your femur, your femur bone, is four times stronger than concrete. I don't know how we would test this out. Any volunteers? I just want to, I want to test this. I don't know if this is right or not. It's Google. They say they're right. So it says, a cubic inch of bone can bear a load of 19,000 pounds. And that's over eight and a half tons. I don't even believe that, man. Okay? Okay, one more just because I'm a nerd. The largest organ in the human body, they say, is your skin. Okay? And each person will shed off nearly 40 pounds of it in his or her lifetime. That is disgusting, man. (laughs) But our bodies are amazing, aren't they? They're amazing. The human body is an absolute miracle. It's an absolute wonder. And there's so many different parts in our bodies. Some parts are visible and some are invisible. And it's amazing how all the different parts and the systems in our body, they work together for singular purposes and causes. It's amazing how much happens for us to be able to laugh. You know, for us to just be able to simply laugh, so much has to take place in our body. For us to think, a thought, so much has to happen. For us to sneeze, run, sleep, eat. The body is simply astounding. It's amazing. And it usually takes sickness or injury for us to realize that the body is a miracle. And when it's not working properly, everything is affected. You know, just think about the last time you were sick, man. It's just out of commission, right? You just can't, you can't function right. Paul says that the church is to function like a body. Every person in the church is a part of the body. That's one of the, that's one of the greatest things about the church. Everyone has something important to contribute to the overall health of the church. Everyone is important. We're all connected to other people. Everyone's doing their part. We're all working together to bring the love of Jesus to La Plata County. That sounds really good, right? I mean, that's kind of what you would expect to hear in church. I get it. So let me ask, how do we achieve that kind of unity. Man, that sounds good. Sign me up. But how, how in the world is that supposed to work? How do we achieve that kind of unity? And Paul says that kind of unity only comes from God. That kind of unity only comes through the Holy Spirit. It only comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he's not referring to water baptism. Paul's referring to spirit baptism, which happens when you become a Christian. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Spirit indwells you. You are baptized by the Spirit. And Jesus changes you from the inside out. He changes your mind and your emotions, your heart. It's all changed. The prophet Jeremiah He says that God takes out the heart of stone and He gives you a heart of flesh. You're changed. You're transformed. You're completely different when Jesus comes into your life. 
You're no longer against God or resistant to God, but now you, you have a desire to obey Him. Now you, de- now you love Him. That's, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into a person and transforms them from the inside out. And those of you that have experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. You know what difference it has made in your life. You're not the same. So, so when the Holy Spirit enters you through faith in Jesus, you're changed. You, you can't be the same. You cannot be the same when Jesus comes into your life. And Paul says, as Christians, our unity happens around the Holy Spirit of God. It doesn't mean we're all the same. It doesn't mean we all look alike. No, it means that we are indwelt with the same Spirit. And we're led by the same Spirit. And we're all reading His Word. We're all being directed by Him. We're unified and we love each other because of the Holy Spirit. In fact, unity would be impossible without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, unity is not only possible, but it's a natural result of people following the leading of God, following the leading of the Holy Spirit. So, in this diverse community called the church, we're supposed to be unified. And that leads us to the second principle, and that is diversity. Okay, In your outline you see it. Second principle is diversity. In our unity, listen, in our unity, we maintain diversity. Because unity does not mean uniformity. Okay, In the church and as Christians, there is great diversity. We're all different. And that is a good thing. A lot of people think, if you know, if you become a Christian, that we all have to look the same. We all have to, you know... Be the same. And that's, that's the furthest thing from the truth. As Christians, okay, we, we hate sin. We pray. We read our Bibles. We love Jesus. And, and we have unity around those kinds of things. But there is also great diversity. Seriously, just take a moment. I know it may be a little awkward, but just look around. Okay? There's not one single person in here. Look around. It's okay. All right, look around. There's not one single person in here that looks exactly alike. We're all different. There's great diversity in this little room. Paul says it this way in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So just like our body has a lot of different parts, the church has a lot of different parts, and not all parts are the same. Man, I'm glad, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that the body isn't just a big toe, right? Like, I'm glad there's diversity in our body. Verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? I don't know about you, but I have a lot of funny images coming to my head when I read that section that I'm not going to share with you. So, So within the church, 
there is supposed to be unity. But there is also great diversity. Okay? We have black, white, native, Hispanic. We have rich people. We have poor people. We have highly educated. We have not so educated. We have, once again, rich people. We have people that are just living on ramen. Right? And they're all in this room. Great diversity. All kinds of different people. And and you may even wonder, like, what are these people doing together? Why are we here? Why are we all just sitting here together at this moment? You may even wonder, like, I don't have much in common with really any of these people. Like, what are we doing here? Let me be honest with you, okay? Apart from Jesus, a lot of us would not get along. Right? Come on. You can talk back, okay? Kids, don't do that to your parents, but you guys can talk back to me. Apart from Jesus, a lot of us, we wouldn't hang out. Apart from Jesus, there would be a lot of division. There would be a lot of conflict and possibly even hatred towards each other. Our personal preferences would lead to prejudices. Our personal preferences would lead to sin. But because of Jesus, we can be unified in spite of our differences. You love Jesus? Great! I love Jesus! Hey man, we got something in common! I had a couple guys that I was dealing with. They were in conflict, just button heads. They couldn't get along. And they wanted to have like a mediator, so they called me. And I came and sat in. And man, it was intense. I could tell these guys wanted to just go to blows. They wanted to punch each other in the face. And I started out by asking them, Do you love Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus. You both love Jesus. Like, let's start right there. You both have something in common. You both want the best for your family. You both want the best for your church. You both want the best for the kingdom of God. Like, you have so much in common. Let's start there. Let's start from a position of unity. And forget about the little stupid differences. Let's, let's, let's stay focused around Jesus. <clears throat> we have something in common when we love Jesus. We can be unified because of Jesus. With Jesus at the center, we can have a great community. We can even grow closer together and we can rally around Jesus. Jesus said in the Scripture, the world will know that we are Christians by our love one for another. That's how the world's going to know. Not because of some cool bald-headed preacher. Not because our band is so awesome. Okay? Not because our congregation is so incredibly cool. No, they will know we're Christians by our love one for another. So you walk into church with all kinds of different people and it begs the question, how can so many different people get along? Why do all these different people come together? How can we stay unified with so many differences? And the answer is Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. Jesus, church, is bigger than you realize. 
He's bigger than your race. He's bigger than your income. He's bigger than your gender. Okay? He's bigger than our education. The the love of Jesus is for all peoples. He, He changes people and He brings them together as a great, diverse, loving, unified family. And He doesn't take away their diversity. Man, I don't know about you, but I think we've all walked into those churches or gone to a church service where everyone looked exactly alike. Have you been to one of those? Okay, I've been to a couple. Everyone, it's kind of freakish. It's weird. You walk in, everybody looks alike. They're dressing alike. They, they're trying to talk alike. And you might think to yourself, like, did I just walk into a cult? Yes, you did. You just walked into a cult, okay? Because Paul says it shouldn't be that way. Diversity is a good thing. He's saying, hey, it's diversity, not division. Okay? As well, diversity shows up in the things we do in the church. We have people serving in children's ministry, helping with technology, running the sound, the video. We have security, trying to keep us secure. We have greeters. We have people that open up their homes to small groups. We have teachers. We have people serving in the area of finances and administration. We have prayer warriors. We have musicians. And we have others that are helping us to strategize and to lead. Like there's so many different people doing so many different things. And the the problems begin to arise when people begin to think that what they're doing is better or more important than what others are doing. Like, everyone's gifted for a purpose. Everyone's gifted for the purpose of building a great church to love and serve as many people as possible. Diversity is a good thing. Okay, so we have the principles of unity. We have the principles, uh, the principle of diversity. And it leads us to the third principle, which is the fact that we need each other. We need each other. We are mutually reliant on one another. Okay? In a church, we, we don't segregate. You know, those, those people that lead the singing, we've got a special, you know, special section for you. The people that teach, you can sit over here. You know, if you're married, you, get, you sit in the back. Single people over here. Like, we don't do that. Oh, oh, you're good at evangelizing? Okay, we have a special seat for you. Everyone is needed. Everyone is important. And everyone is a part of the body. Look at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So Paul is talking about mutual reliance. Like different people working together, needing each other. We need one another. Different people working together, um, you know, just on the same page, going the same direction. We need one another. Consider, consider the age diversity, okay? We have people in their 60s, 70s, 80s. We have people that age that are opening up, opening up their homes to Bible studies. Um, and they're, they're telling their stories to younger generations. They're loving them. They're encouraging them. They're praying for them. You're needed. 
And let me just say something to the older generations. We need you. We need you. And let me just challenge you. When you get involved in kingdom work and building the church, it beats wasting away in a retirement home. Okay? God has big plans for your life, even at the end of your life. We need you. We have kids everywhere. Okay? Go downstairs. There's kids everywhere. We need the children. We need the kids. They're valuable and important. They're a part of the body. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, the kids are the future church. The kids are the future leaders, the future musicians, future pastors, future missionaries. We need to work together. We need to honor one another. And everyone gets to use their skills and their talents and their abilities so that we can build a stronger, better church. The more we work together, the more people get reached. Man, and you know what? When you work with people that are different than you, you both learn. It can be challenging, but it's also mutually beneficial. So God arranged the members. Hey, that word is in the Bible. That's really strange. God arranged the members. That was kind of an inside joke. Um, he arranged the members in the body as He chose. In other words, God brought you here to be involved at Grace Church. Some of you, you come in and you notice things that aren't going well in the church, you know, and it frustrates you. And you notice areas that are messed up. Some have communicated to me, you know, some of you haven't. Apparently, God has given you the ability to see messed up areas. God has given you the ability to diagnose the messiness in the church. And you know what? We will put you to work in Jesus' name to fix the mess. That's what ministry is. It's seeing a need, seeing a hole, and you have two choices. You can either complain... Or you can nominate yourself to serve and help to make the church better. So I have to ask, are you connected to the church? Are you connected to Grace Church? Are you connected to this body? Or like Paul, he gave us the imagery, are you that free-floating finger? Like you're just out on your own, doing your own thing. Or what about those, those free-floating mouths? Like, those are the worst, okay? The free-floating mouth, it's going from church to church, pointing out all the flaws. You know, this church is messed up, that church is messed up, that one's not good enough for my family because it's not perfect. You know, that church, man, they're all filled with hypocrites and sinners. Yep, come on in, okay? Because you will fit right in. You'll fit right in. Join us because you're just like us. A lot of Christians, man, they just stand back and they complain and they point out all the flaws instead of saying, you know what? I'm a part of the family. I'm going to help do the dishes. That's what families do, right? They have to 
Help carry the load. Take out the trash. Feed the animals. All right? Wash the car. Do the dishes. It's, it's no different in the church. Come on, we need some people to help do the dishes. And some of you are here and you're new and you say, I, I want to be involved. Like, I, I, I want to serve. Where do I start? Let me give just a quick shameless plug for our Discovering Grace class, okay? That's where I would suggest that you start. Come to, to our Discovering Grace class, and in this class we tell you what we believe, we, we tell you how we're organized and how the vision works for our church, and we try to figure, or excuse me, we, we try to help you figure out where you should participate in the mission of this church body. So after the service, go to the welcome desk and sign up. Okay, If you want to get involved, you don't know where to start, that's a great place to start. The class is Sunday, October 5th, right after the service. We'll even feed you lunch. Okay? All right? So Paul says, we're mutually reliant on one another, and we value everyone because they bear the image of God. Listen, it doesn't depend on how pretty you are, or how cool you are, how smart you are. That's the way the world works. But the church, it functions differently. We value everyone because they are image bearers of God. And if God brought you here, we believe God has brought you here for a very specific reason. Paul says it this way in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Okay? I mean, how crazy would it be if if one part of your body just declared war on another part of your body. Like your hand all of a sudden just started punching yourself in the nose. Like how crazy. That, that wouldn't make any sense. But it's the same thing when people or different groups fight with each other in the church. No one wins. You're hurting the body. If you're the hand and you're punching the nose, nobody wins. We can't look at different people in the church and say, we don't need you. We can't do that. Biblically, we cannot do that. Because the fact is, is we need everyone. We need each other. Verse 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I know know some of you, because I've been there too. I know some of you say, I'm not rich. Like, man, I'm not that smart. I don't have a great personality. I don't have a great testimony. I don't know my Bible very well. I'm not successful. I'm not a mature Christian. What am I supposed to do? What what can I do? And Paul says, you are a very valuable part of this body. And you need to know this. And even if you're struggling and you're down and out and you just feel completely worthless... Think of it this way. You are providing opportunity for others to love and to serve and to help and to teach and to bless and to counsel and to encourage you. You you are an important part of this body. So you're struggling. So you're down. You're feeling down and out. You're in a hard place. God is refining you. He's knocking off the rough edges. You know what? It may be your story of victory your story of healing spiritually that keeps others in the fight. Verse 23. 
And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Okay? Here's, here's the picture that Paul's painting for us. There are parts of our body that we don't show, right? Everybody goes like this. And for good reason. We cover up our butts, right? We do. Because no one wants to see that. You need to cover that thing up, okay? No one should see that. We have certain parts of our body that we keep covered. And so it is in the church. Now here's, I I really need you to focus on this one because I want you to get this. I want you to understand what I'm trying to say. Just because everyone is equally loved, equally important, and equally valued doesn't mean that everyone is equally visible. Let's just say you, you come into church and you're still recovering from drug addiction. Your lips are chapped. You got the shakes. Your eyes are still really bugged out. You're still wetting yourself at times. We're not going to let you be a greeter. That's kind of the way that works. Okay? We love you. We want to help you. But we're going to find something else for you to do. There's certain parts, there's certain people that are going through struggles, and we, we have to kind of protect them until they get healthy enough to where they can be more visible. That's the myth many of you believe. You think church is an event in a building that happens on a Sunday, on a stage, with a microphone. You think, I'm not involved unless I'm on stage with a microphone. Listen, not everyone can be on stage with a microphone. Not everyone should be on stage with a microphone. And not everyone wants to be. We we need to expand our understanding of the church. Church is the life we live together as a people. The majority of what happens at Grace Church is invisible. Church, let me help you just a little bit. Church is opening your home to people, praying for people, serving people, bringing the truth of Jesus to others. Wonderful people are serving your children right now. There's wonderful people running the sound, running the video, people helping to keep us secure. Some wonderful people cleaned the church on Saturday so that we could walk into a nice building. There was people here this morning, even kids helping, vacuum up the, the flood, okay? Downstairs this morning, running vacuums. People ministering to your teenagers every week. People making hospital visits. People making meals for moms who just had babies. Most ministry is invisible, It's not up here with this microphone. This this is a small, small part of what church is all about. Most ministry doesn't happen on stage with a microphone on a Sunday. And especially men. I want to say something to you guys real quick. Men. I think a lot of men struggle because they're like, I don't sing good, I don't teach, and I don't like kids. So, church is out. Like, I'm out. 
church is so much more. Like those three things are important. Don't get me wrong. But fellas, church is so bigger than that. Ministry is so much broader than that. Okay? And it's cutting the firewood for your neighbor. That's worship. That's ministry. It's, it's holding the old man's hand on his deathbed, praying for him as he takes his last breath. That's ministry. That's worship. So much happens in ministry that's invisible. What's, what's hard for people to understand in church, in marriages, in government, in the workplace? Okay, we, we all get that we're equal. We're all valuable. We're all important. But what a lot of us have a hard time understanding is that we have different roles. Another myth that oftentimes exists in churches goes like this. They have a good heart. Like, let them do whatever they want in the church. They have a good heart. You you can't just walk in on Sunday and say, hey, who wants to lead today? You know, who, who wants to teach today? Any volunteers? Yeah, come on up. The stage is yours. Who wants to lead music today? Like, we we have different roles, and not everything or everyone is going to be visible, and for good reason. Not everyone is going to lead music. Come on, I've heard some of you sing, okay? Not everyone's going to lead music. It wouldn't be good. Much of what we call ministry will be invisible, but it won't be invisible to Jesus. If you're doing ministry that isn't seen, it doesn't mean you're not important. As a matter of fact, you are probably most important. So let me ask, how many of you have unseen parts of your body that are very important? Raise your hand. Okay? Those of you that didn't raise your hand are just weird. Okay? So it is with the church. Some parts are unseen, and they are extremely important. That's what Paul's saying. Verse 24, which are more presentable parts do not require, uh, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Man, I love that. There is difference. There is distinction. There is great diversity, but there's no division. That's what makes the church so beautiful. Different people, but not divided. Okay, We're not all trying to be the same, but we all love Jesus. We learn from one another. We benefit by having relationship together as the church. Paul goes on in verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And this leads us to the last principle of being mutually concerned for one another. Okay, If a part of your body gets injured, practically it affects the whole body. That's the way it works in our physical bodies. It's the same way in the church. If someone in the church is hurting, suffering, in pain, it affects us all. Okay, a family miscarries, we all feel that. Someone dies, we, we all hurt. Someone loses a job, someone's spouse abandons them. Or someone's child chooses a rebellious path. 
you know, they turn their back on God. We, we all feel that as a church, or we should. We don't, we don't say to people, you know, well, that's your problem. That's not my problem, man. You deal with it. That's the way of the world. He also says, if one part rejoices, we all rejoice. Okay, someone gets married, has a baby, someone graduates from school, someone is healed by God. We all rejoice. We all celebrate. Celebrating the wins, mourning the losses. That's what a family does. That's what families do. So we are unified because of the Holy Spirit around the work of Jesus Christ. There is great diversity. We, we all don't have to be the same, but, but we worship the same Jesus. We read the same word. We're, we're carrying, carrying out the same mission and we're led by the same Holy Spirit. We're mutually reliant on one another. And we're mutually concerned for one another. And even though everyone is not equally visible, everyone is equally important. And quite frankly, this is what it means to be a member of Grace Church. We are going to do the best we can to be the best church we possibly can be. But you know what, man? Sometimes it can seem overwhelming, but where I rest, where I find peace, is when Jesus said, I will build my church. It's not reliant upon me and, and can I come up with the right strategy? And, you know, can we do this or that, you know? No. Jesus said, I will build my church. We just happen to be the tools that he uses. So, so what in the world, Justin? What does this message have to do with worship? Everything. Worship isn't just an experience. The greatest worship we can give God is to be the church He intended us to be. That brings Him great honor and great glory. I want to end this message this morning with a bodybuilding challenge. Okay, here we go. I'm going to throw down a challenge to Grace Church this morning. Here's how it works. If you commit to this challenge, you have to complete it by November 1st. Okay, so gives you a little more than a month to complete the challenge. And also, if you complete the challenge, I'm, I'm going to ask that you go to our website, okay, gracechurchdurango.com, and share your experience with us. Um, you can click, there's a link, it's, and it's titled Your Story. And I'm just asking, if you take this challenge, I want you to tell us your experience. Like, how did this challenge affect you? How did it change you? How did it inspire you? How did it annoy you? Okay, whatever it may be. So if you want to take the challenge, you have to complete it by November 1st and then go to our website and just tell us your experience. So here's the challenge. It's threefold, okay? Bodybuilding bodybuilding challenge number one. So write this down. There's blanks on your outline. Okay, write it down. Write it down. Number one. You guys can all do this. This is a great challenge. You have to invite 
two families or individuals within Grace Church. Two families, two individuals within Grace Church that you don't know and you have to invite them over to your house for dinner. Throwing it down today. Okay? That's the bodybuilding challenge number one. Number two, pick one person or one family within Grace Church. Okay, we're focusing on the body right now. So pick one person, one family within Grace Church and bless them. Give them money, meet a need, prepare a meal for them, fix their car, uh, pray for them. Just, just do something for them. Be creative. Okay? Think of something that would just bless them. And you don't have to bless them once. You can bless them 25 times if you want. Just bless them this whole month. Okay? If it's just one thing, that's great too. But just bless somebody. And then number three, and remember these challenges are to help build our body. This is worship, you guys. It's crazy, right? This is worship. If our body's healthy, we are worshiping God. Number three, now we're going to kind of focus outward. Invite two people or families that are unchurched or attending the Mormon church to Grace Church. Okay? Invite two people or families that are unchurched and invite them to Grace Church. All right, so let me repeat it one more time. Number one, invite two families or individuals over for dinner. Number two, pick a person or a family within the church and bless them. Just And, and you can do it secretly too so they don't know. That's fun. Okay, just do it secretly um, and just bless a family or an individual in the church. Be creative. Number three, uh, invite uh, two individuals or two families to Grace Church. Could you imagine, like, if we all did these challenges? Like, it'd be powerful. It'd be powerful. I mean, the last thing I want as your pastor is for you to feel disconnected, for you to not have friends or to feel like, gosh, I'd come here, but I don't know anybody. So I'm, like, trying to be proactive. Like, let's get... Let's get to know each other. Let's start blessing each other. Let's minister to one another. Let's be unified. Let's do it. Let me close in prayer this morning. Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And Jesus, I just want to thank you for coming. Thank you for not sinning. Thank you for loving us, dying for us, and rising again to conquer our enemies, Satan, sin, and death. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful you're at the center of Grace Church I'm so thankful there's unity and there's still a lot of diversity. And I pray that we would be mutually reliant on each other and mutually concerned for each other. And Lord, I just want to pray specifically for Grace Church right now. Lord, I pray that Your Spirit would continue to guide and direct us. I pray You would show up in big ways. Not for the, not for the glory or the name of Grace Church, but so that your name, Lord Jesus, would be great in our city and in our county. I pray everyone here would get connected. I pray they would be connected to you and they would be connected to your church. And I pray that, that they would know where they're supposed to be serving, what they're supposed to be giving, you know, what they're supposed to be praying about. 
I just pray that you would just lead them, guide them, Father, through your spirit. And Father, I ask that it would be a tremendous joy for us to serve you in Grace Church. I pray that when people step up and they begin serving, I pray that it's a wonderful experience and that it just fans the flame in their heart and their spirit and they just say, man, I love this. Like, why haven't I been doing this all along? I pray that it would be a great experience, a tremendous joy. Lord, we love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. We pray that you would allow it to be so.